Have you ever thought that God's got a sense of humour? God has got an amazing sense of humour. You know, um, I was down to preach this morning and um, on Monday I had to talk to AB and I said, AB, I've got such a big week and with Maryland Hospital and everything like that, could you preach for me? He said, yes, certainly I will. I'll do that. And he's worked really hard all week. He's got his sermon together. He's got absolutely organised. And then on Friday night, he rang me and said, Phil, I've got COVID. <laughs> so God wanted me to preach. <laughs> so if you're here, there must be something here that God needs you to hear. Okay? And that's how I see it. There's no ifs and buts, there's no oops in God's plan. So we're going to continue our series as we look at Nehemiah and I'm going to talk about tackling a tough job, when you've got to tackle a tough job. And I brought some of my tools to um, demonstrate the amazing builder that I am. I'm very nervous. I've got Vaughan sitting here in the front row who's been an incredible builder all his life and I'm going to explain some of my incredible knowledge about building in a few moments' time. But as, as Nehemiah started to build the wall, tackling a tough job, he needed basic tools so he could achieve the goal that God wanted him to achieve. But he had to understand which tools to use and what were the right tools. And I'm talking here about spiritual tools. And sometimes we don't understand the spiritual tools that we have or the way we are to use them or the way that God wants to use them to make us the people that we need to be. So I wanna trust this morning as I share more about Nehemiah that you'll understand that God has given you some very valuable tools that you may have overlooked and not understood that you need to learn how to use along the journey to be that disciple of Jesus that He wants you to be. Let me pray. Father God, this morning, I ask Holy Spirit, speak to us. We just wanna hear what You've got to say to each one of us in the journey. We own our hearts, we own up our spirits to you and God, we're excited to hear from you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I start reading through Nehemiah, the first spiritual tool that he had to learn about was waiting. The spiritual tool of waiting. Who likes waiting? I just hate waiting. I get to a checkout and if there's four or five checkouts, I'll count how many there, how many there, how many there, I'll go to the, the, the shortest one and I'd go along the shortest one, that's good, I'm getting there quick and I'd be just about for me to um, be the next person, all of a sudden I'll hear price check and then I've got to look to see, hey, can I um, go into one of the lines to speed up a bit? I hate waiting. And I think the same thing of Nehemiah. There's a few hints here that show that Nehemiah was a bit compulsive and God had to slow him down. Chapter one, chapter one was written in the month of December. Let me read you 1.11. It says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in honouring your name. 
Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of the king. His prayer was, God, I want success today. I want it now in the presence of the king. So that tells me he's onto it. His passion is to rebuild the wall. Let's get there. Let's get going. Who's like that? Who's the type A personality that wants it now and needs to just embrace it and do it? Let's see some hands. Who's type A? who wants stuff now. Oh, yep, fair few of you. Who's type B who says, look, now or six weeks, it doesn't matter. Let's see type Bs. Okay, put up your hand if you're an A married to a B. Yep, <laughs> you know how it is. God always puts A's and B's together. I've got someone watching, I better be careful. So he wants it today. He doesn't want to wait. He wants to go to the king today and declare, King, please open up the doors. We get to chapter two. Let's look at chapter two. In the month of April in the 20th year of the king's reign, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine, I gave to the king. I had been sad in his presence. I'd never been sad in his presence before. And the king asked me, why does your face look sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but a sadness of heart. Now this was April, this was what, December, January, February, March, five months later. So he wanted to go to the king the first day that he heard the news. God stopped him and said, you've got to wait. You've got to wait four months before you can go to the king. And sometimes God does the same to us. He says, we've got to wait. We've got to wait and we don't understand. God, you're the God of all power, all authority. God, you can turn up now. You can do it today. And I'm sure Nehemiah said, God, I could go to the king today. You've got the power to change his mind. You can make it happen. But in God's economy, waiting was important. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual tool. And I wanna suggest if you have been waiting for an answer from God, don't give up. God is on the journey. God is here with you. The waiting is part of God's process. Now, I don't know any more information to tell you what's happened in the background, but God needed those five months to get the King's heart ready to hear the request. And sometimes when we've been praying for a family member, when we've been praying for a circumstance to change, praying for something to be transformed, and we've been waiting, it's because God needs the time to work on another person's heart. And that may be an answer to a prayer that you've been praying this morning. God, why have I been praying so long for this person to come to know Jesus? I heard a testimony this week of a lady. She was in her early 70s and she shared a testimony. And her testimony was that her son prayed for her for 33 years and was about to give up. And then she came to Jesus. God needed 33 years to get that lady ready. So just because God hasn't answered your prayer, don't give up, it's in the waiting. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. There's something about waiting on the Lord that builds us up, that gives us strength, that gives us focus, that gives us vision. Waiting is not bad. We don't like it, but waiting is not bad because God's at work. If you've been waiting, the greatest thing you can do is trust God. It's a bit like when I'm 
we've got a um, small cottage out the back of our house and we've been, I've been working on it. And I thought waiting, waiting's like a plane. You know, when you've got a plane and you're planing some timber, if I'm doing an architrave or a rounded door or something, I've got to do some planing. It's best to plane the timber first. Now, a couple of times I've had to plane the top of the door. Don't look, listen to this, Vaughan, because I'm supposed to adjust everything else, not the door. But, but, but if it doesn't fit, I like to plane it. But once the door is finished and then I try to plane it, it's impossible to plane when the door is on because you're trying to plane the top of the door. You're going to run into the wall and mess the wall up. So the best thing is to plane a door before it goes on, measure it and plane it. It's no good once it goes on. And it's in the waiting that God planes us. It's in the journey that God is getting us together for His outcomes and what He wants. So there's a sense in that journey, the tool of waiting is so important that we allow God to do some planing on our lives, to share some stuff off, to change an attitude, to open up our heart, to change something in us or someone else so that we are ready for the outcome. Nehemiah had to wait five months because the king or him, God needed time to do some work. The next one is, the next tool after waiting is simply faith. Chapter two talks about faith. Let me read chapter two, verse one. He finally got his chance. After five months, it says, I took the wine to the king and gave it to him. I had not been sad as in presence before. So he asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face be sad when the city there is filled with ancestors, buried lie, and the buried, buried and lie in the ruins and his gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to him, what is it that you want? Now for Nehemiah to go before the king, you don't understand what's at stake here. The king always had happy people around him. Do you get a buzz when you've got happy people around you? It's good, isn't it? They build you up. Well, the king, the the edict that the king had was only happy people coming. Don't bring whinges, don't bring mourners. I want happy people. So for Nehemiah to look sad, that was really dangerous because the king could have said, get rid of him. I don't want sadness around me. So that was the first thing. So he, he was really at a point where he needed faith because the king could have said, just remove him. So that was the first thing. But there's an underlying thing here that some of us haven't read before. And, and it's from Ezra chapter four, verse two. And the, it says, the king had issued an order for men to stop work on the wall of Jerusalem so the city would not be Rebuilt. So the king had already said, I don't want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Stop building it. It's not to be rebuilt. So here is Nehemiah going to the king, one, looking sad, two, going against a, a com- royal command that has been issued to all of the land from this particular king to say it's not to be rebuilt. Does that take faith? Man. What a step of faith this guy had. No wonder God asked him to wait five months to prepare the king's heart and prepare his heart. I wonder if it took him five months to get the faith to go to the king. 
Maybe he just organised in those five months uh, the, the last part of his life because he may not have lived past that point. It was, this was a massive big thing. Let's not play it down. It took great faith for Nehemiah to go to the king and ask the king that he could go and rebuild those walls. You see, faith steps out and believes that God can overrule. Faith is powerful. It steps out. Fear stops us from seeing God at work. But great faith, as we step out, makes a difference. Our faith today is built on what we've seen God do in the past. You know, your faith just doesn't happen today. But when we've seen God's faithfulness through a series of events in our lives, we know that anything God has done in the past, He can do again. When there's been no one else you can turn to but God and He's turned up, that's building faith. When you stepped out in faith and said, God, if you don't turn up, this is gonna be disastrous and God has turned up, that means your faith is being built. My favourite song, my favourite song is, All My Life You Have Been Faithful, all my life, God, you have been so, so good. And that's the truth. God has always been there. There's been some difficult journeys. There's been some hard journeys, but He's always been faithful. He's always been good. He has always been there. Nehemiah had obviously climbed the steps of faith one step at a time. Faith brings favour from God. Faith releases God's blessing. And without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. If you wanna bless God today, do something by faith. Step out in faith and bless God. Walk by faith, not by sight. You know, some of our faith is a bit like a saw. This particular saw is a rock. And it's the easiest saw to use. You just put in a gyp rock and just a bit of, don't even need some muscle, and it cuts really easy. But if I tried to use a saw this size on a piece of timber, it's not going to work. And some of us, we have a tool, our faith is a bit like this. We've only used faith in the easy times. We haven't used faith on the big jobs. And what God is trying to do is let us step up Step up where we can use some faith. Now, my favourite tool, this is my favourite tool. This is amazing. Look, I better not cut the pulpit down. <laughs> That's amazing because it doesn't have a cord on it. I built a, a whole boardwalk beside, our, um, beside the river on our, our property and you can just go down and it's so easy. You're my favourite tool. But it took faith for me to move from just a handsaw to one of those because I wanted to keep my arm but it was able to be done. And now using the big saw and seeing the effects of the big saw is absolutely amazing. When our faith grows and we start to see the effects of big faith and we step out, the results are amazing. This year at Christmas at Life Point, the results were amazing because you as a church had big faith, stepped out, and God did some absolutely amazing things. That when, that's where Nehemiah was. He had to wait on God. Then he had to focus his faith and grow his faith to step out in the face of disaster and trust God. And if God didn't turn up, he was done. And when God puts us in that position, it means that God is at work 
And I wanna tell you, God has got this. The next thing that Nehemiah, the next tool that Nehemiah had was prayer. The king said to him, here he is standing before the king, and the king said, what do you want? Have you ever had someone say that? I know as a, when I was a kid, um, I'd go and my mother was in a bad mood or something. She said, Philip, the big P, Philip, what do you want? And sometimes I'd make something up because I wasn't going to ask her because it was a bit iffy whether I'd get it. And I think Nehemiah was a bit like this. The king says to Nehemiah, what do you want? And then he said, and then I prayed to the God in heaven. And then I answered the king. An emergency prayer before he answered, he was said, God, I need your favour. Just anoint his heart because here I go. If it pleases the king, if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judea where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That was a mammoth mammoth question. The emergency prayer. (laughs) Did the emergency prayer work? Yeah. But that emergency prayer was backed by four months of Nehemiah fasting and praying because God had told him to wait. And that four months of fasting and praying, I really believe, changed the heart of the king and prepared the heart of the king for the question that is to come. So many of us, we live on emergency prayers and all we do is pray these emergency prayers and wonder why God doesn't turn up because we haven't waited, because we haven't fasted and prayed, because we haven't spent time raising our faith and spending time with God and getting God and giving Him the time to prepare the hearts for what we need to move into. It hasn't happened. So don't just use your emergency prayers, God, emergency, I need a car park. But spend time fasting and praying. If there's a circumstance, if there's a situation, fast and pray about it before you act. It's in the fasting and the praying that we demonstrate faith. Faith blesses God. Faith moves the heart of God. So that's why we need to pray. We need to fast. We need to seek God because it's in the journey that transforms circumstances, that transforms world events. This world can still be changed. If people stop the emergency prayers and start seeking God and interceding and fasting and praying that God would move in a way that He's never moved before to revive our land, to revive our nation, to revive our world, so we'd see the power of God again. I believe as we lean into God, Nehemiah was right. Four months fasting and praying or else he would have lost his head. There was a lot on the line. Prayer paves the way for God to move. What's a prayer tool? The good old old drill, screwdriver, whatever you want to call it. But hey, there's a piece of hardwood or, or something like that. Before you bang a nail into it, you drill it first. You get it ready. Hey, screwing down my, my boardwalk. Hey, the, the um, timber was so thick, I had to drill a lot of it first. But I drilled it first so it made way to put the screw in or put the nail in. Our times of fasting and praying is a great tool to prepare a person's heart for what's to come. To prepare 
our heart for what's to come, to prepare a situation to get it ready for what God has for the future. Prayer is amazing. God can do anything. I have so many stories about how God has turned up in prayer. I remember when um, we were just young and our family were young and God called Meryl and I to a mining town in central Queensland to, um, to build a church, to pioneer a church. There was no church there to go there and do that. And we prayed and I was a school teacher and the only people allowed into a closed town like that were miners and teachers. I wasn't a miner, but I was a teacher. So I really believed that God would open up a door so that we could go there and plant a church and, and I could be the, the local t- teacher. And that was my dream. So I had taught for a number of years, um, I think it was three or four years near Toowoomba. And then I applied for a transfer. And applying for a transfer, you'd normally get a transfer after that time. So I applied for the transfer, couldn't wait, September time. Transfers were coming out and we got, the tra- we got a piece of paper and we had a look at the transfer and it simply said, we're not transferring you. But God, we'd prayed. But God, we'd believed there's a call of yours on our life to plant a church in this town. What are you doing? And God just simply said, wait fast and pray. So we started to pray. But as we started to pray, we started taking it in our own hands. Do you ever do that? No one else does that, do you? I try to organise God, so we're praying. So God, if I can't go as a teacher because that's been closed, I didn't get a transfer, we'll go up to that town, we'll visit the town, I'll look for a job. So we went up to the town, we looked there and we tried to get a job, I even applied to, to be some sort of minor, me a minor. Um, didn't happen, <laughs> didn't happen. There was, I could be a butcher, oh, they wouldn't even know the first thing about me, let alone being a butcher, but there's no positions going. So we come back, this is just in September holidays, and we come back to Toowoomba and thought, God, what are you doing? You're calling us here, but the doors are closing. Where are you in this, God? So I thought, oh, God needs a bit more of a hand. So we drove to Rockhampton and I talked to the school inspector of Rockhampton and said, look, would you organise a transfer for me from Toowoomba to central Queensland? And he said, Phil, I would do it on one condition. And that's the condition that the, um, the region near Toowoomba says yes. I said, oh, that's good. So I got back home and I rang the inspector in Toowoomba. I said, will you transfer me? And he said, No. I'm not going to transfer you. And if you do try and apply for a transfer, I'm going to put a hold on this to say that you were grumpy and you didn't want to stay where you were and not to transfer you. I did a great job helping God. It's really good when you help out God, isn't it? It really opens the doors well. We worked so hard for three months to help God transfer us from Toowoomba to central Queensland to a town called Thierry. And then we gave up. And we said, God, it's about time we fasted and we prayed and we leave it back to you because we just absolutely muffed it completely. We just fasted and prayed and believed and thought, well, God, you've got this, you've got this. We're just gonna wait on you now. We're gonna have faith and we're going to to just pray. Christmas Eve, I remember, I got this phone call and this guy rang up and said to me, I'm the inspector here in Toowoomba. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I have just transferred you against all odds, against my better judgment. I've just transferred you to Thierry. 
I don't know why I've done this, but your transfer has just gone through. You need to start on the 26th of January and be up there. That's God. That's God when we trust Him and we believe in Him and we wait on Him and let Him do the work rather than us do the work. That's what Nehemiah had to learn to do. It's up to the King, but I need to fast and pray. So if you're waiting today, if there's something you want changed, keep waiting, keep fasting, keep praying, raise your faith, trust God and stop getting in the way. It messes things up when we get in the way. Now, the next thing, um, what had to happen for Nehemiah, I've made up a word for this. It's standability. He needed standability, the determination to keep standing and moving forward in the face of opposition. When everything else around you looks wrong and going the wrong way, keep standing. Poor Nehemiah, he had Samballot, he had Tobiah, he had Grisham the Arab. Just imagine if your name was Grisham the Arab. So he had these three guys who opposed him. They didn't want the wall to be built. They opposed him and there had to be standability. What's a good tool for standability? Here it is. Standability. Just stand firm, keep going, keep hammering. No matter what, keep hammering. And a word for some people would be, you've given up too early, guys. You started hammering, the timber's a bit tough. You can either start getting angry and bang so hard that you bend the nail, or you can focus and you can hammer and keep hammering carefully and keep driving that nail until it finally gets where it needs to be. Standability was what Nehemiah had. He didn't give up in the face of opposition. When Sam Ballard heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of everybody else. He said, you, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? Can they build the stones back to life from that heap of rubble burned as they are? Then Tobiah and the Amorites who are on the side said, yeah, what are they building? Even a fox trying to climb over that wall would break it down. You guys are weaklings and you can't do it. Hey, in the power of God, there's not a weakling standing. Because if we want to get one of those beam balances and we put our sense of strength and who we are compared to what God is, it's going to drop like this. But when we are linked with God, all power on heaven and earth is ours. And we've got to start to realise that and we've got to step out and we've got to work in that and know that is right. The devil was roaring like a lion around Nehemiah. He wants to open the door to your mind. He wants to mess with your fear. He wants to mess with your negativity. And when he does that, he wants to bite you. He wants to tell you the what if. Nehemiah, what if they don't build the wall? Nehemiah, what if people start to turn against you? Nehemiah, what if you don't have the goods? You're just a barman, mate. Fancy building the whole wall of Jerusalem. You're just a barman. If Nehemiah let one of those thoughts get in there as a lion roared, he would have gone under. And today, so many, many of us, we allow fear to get in there and we start to go under. Guys, I wanna declare to you that the person who's in control of the end of the earth is Jesus. And there's nothing to fear, trust Him. 
The devil wants us to fear tomorrow and the what ifs and the next day and the what ifs and the next day and the what ifs. And yes, there are a lot of what ifs, but I believe in my God. I believe that God is able, God has got this and we need to cast aside our fears and say, God, forsaking everything else, our trust is in You. So as the enemy roars, I'm trusting Jesus. As the enemy tells you something else is happening, I'm trusting Jesus. As you get some bad news, I'm trusting Jesus. It's not easy, but we need to lean into Him because Nehemiah, man, had to lean in no matter what. Look at guys in Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we've got people who had to lean into God. Who was it? Um, Noah is building the boat. 120 years, he had to lean into God before he got the promise. He got Joshua, 40 years in the wilderness, leaning into God before he got the promise. Moses, what, 40, 80 years, leaning into God before he got the promise. Sometimes we've just got to lean into God while we're waiting for the promise, while we're waiting for the healing. While we're waiting for our life to be changed, our circumstances to change, we're waiting for the kids to get right or the kids to grow up, while we're waiting for a family member to come to Jesus, while we're waiting for a job or waiting for a house or whatever. Sometimes it takes time as we're doing that, leaning into God because God has got this. That standability, stand, lean into God and not give up no matter what. And the last one. The last one, after leaning into God, after standing firm for so long, Nehemiah kept pushing in. But the last thing, the last thing I I had to work out, what was this? What's this tool that this guy had? And it was simply the ability to reinvent himself. Too many of us wanna say the same. Guys, I'm so happy I'm not standing up here preaching to you in a nappy this morning with a dummy in my mouth because I've changed. No comments, please. And we continue to change. I'm so pleased I'm not standing here preaching like I would have 30 years ago when I started to preach. I'm a different person today. I've changed. I've learned what it means to reinvent myself. I've learned what it means to grow in Jesus. I've learned what it means to look what's happening around me and, and assimilate that. I've gone to training courses. I've gone to seminars. I've read books. I've been on the net. I've watched podcasts. I've learned what it is to lead a church today in the 20th century, not the church in the 18th century. I've learned what it means to, to look at the problems facing people today. I, I've learned as my, my, my grandchildren growing up that the issues that parents have got today are so different from the issues that I had when I raised my kids. I've learned, I've had to reinvent myself. And Nehemiah had to do that. He's, he's only a barman, guys. He's a barman. He's probably gonna be walking around the walls serving drinks. I'm sure that's what the devil would have told him. He's only a barman. What would he know about lifting rocks and connecting rocks? He's only a barman. 
What would he know about putting the gates back on Jerusalem? See, he reinvented himself. He became, from a barman, he became a warrior. He became a guy who stepped out in faith. He's one of the bravest guys in Scripture because he went to the king and gave himself away and said, God, if you don't turn up, I'm gone. And after that, his standability was against all odds, against everybody else, against north, south, east, western armies coming against him. He stood and he kept pressing on. And he may not know about the rocks, but he got people who could move rocks. He got people who could build the walls. He got people who could put doors on. He got people who could fight and stand there with the, the spear in one hand, the trowel in the other hand. They stood for him. He got the people around him because he was an amazing leader and he kept reinventing himself. He kept growing. He kept becoming the best he could be for God. And so often along the way, we stopped growing. We stopped reinventing ourselves. Well, God, that is enough. The other day in praying, God, I said, God, when do I start grow, stop growing? He said, you never stop growing because when you step out of here, it's into eternity. And I need you to have everything you've got because you serve me in eternity. Sometimes we think we're too young to learn. Sometimes we think we're too old to bother. Sometimes we think we're too busy or nobody wants me. Whoever you are, we need to reinvent ourselves in the seasons that we're in and keep growing. Kyle, my grandson, says to me, Granddad, you're more than cheese and whiskers. <laughs> and I believe it. Do you believe it? The devil wants to tell you, you're just cheese and whiskers. God wants to tell you, you're his child. You're the child of a king. And whatever season you're in, guys, there are seasons we don't enjoy. These last few weeks are seasons. Yep, I don't enjoy this season, but God is still God. God is still big enough and God is still able. And whatever season you're in, I wanna tell you, God is with you. You know, my greatest joy these days is going to the ginger factory. Now, you're never gonna see me at the ginger factory by myself because my greatest joy isn't going to the ginger factory for the ginger factory. My greatest joy is going to the ginger factory because when I go to the ginger factory, I've got a grandkid or some grandkids with me. And it's so much fun to enjoy the journey. As we do the train for the 150th time, it's so exciting because of who's sitting beside me. As we do the boat ride for the millionth time, it's a small world after all. And I know every part of the world that there possibly is. It's such a joy because the grandkids just love it. It's about who you're with. It's about in the journey right now, the, the standability, He is always there. God will always come up trumps. It's like a level. Whatever I do in my house, if I use this and I honour this, I'll get it right. It'll always be level. And with God, as you trust God, it's always gonna be level. I'll just grab my phone. I wanna read a scripture. And something in the journey, no matter what happens in the journey to realise that God is there, that, that God is with you. Let me just share a little bit about our journey we've had in the last couple of weeks and just the challenges with Merrill and um, just trusting God in the midst of the circumstances. And at times it's difficult, but God is there. 
And um, when we just got the, the first results, the, the results come back that cancer had moved and had actually gone into her lungs. And when we got that report from the doctor, that's really hard. It's really hard to take when you get a report like that. So I sat there the next morning. I sat there with God and said, God, where are you in this? I know you're here. I know you're more than enough. You've been faithful in the whole journey, so you're faithful now. I said, God, where do I read? I've got a whole Bible. Where do I read? And He just said, Psalm 41. Psalm 41. I thought, no idea about Psalm 41. But I said, God, I really need something now. Let me read you the first three verses of Psalm 41. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted amongst the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desire of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. And that was His promise, that God will sustain Meryl on her sickbed and restore her from a bed of illness. But God, the results are so bad. What do I do? How do I marry my faith with the results that I just heard the doctor say from a scan? I said, God, I've got to trust you. And I shared that with Meryl and Meryl held on to that. And then they did further investigations and this is over two or three weeks and Anna went on the journey with us. Terrible journey. But the results started to change and rather than being cancer in her lungs, it's not cancer, but they don't know what it is yet. But God is changing things in the waiting. He's building faith that God, I need the, the tool of faith at times. God, I need prayer. I need to pray at times. God, I need standability. I've got to stand. I've got to stand right now. I've got to stand and push through. This is not the time for giving up. These are the tools that really work. These are the tools in life, when it's the good times or the hard times. These tools that Nehemiah had are the tools that will work for the season you're in, even though you don't like it. So whatever season you're in, if you're waiting, God is in the waiting. Guys, if you need to pray, seek God and trust Him. If you need more faith, Ask Him to give you a verse and hold on to that because sometimes that's all you've got. When everything else looks bad, that's all you've got because God is able and God is enough. When it's standability, no matter what, just keep standing. And you've got to keep growing and reinventing yourself because the faith you have for today, unless it grows, will not be enough faith for what God may have for you in the future. Can I ask you to stand? And at home, you might like just to raise your hands before God. But I want God to speak to your life. Wherever you're at, you're all carrying stuff. There's, there's all stuff. But God just wants to hear your heart to say, God, I want faith to rise. In the battle that I'm in right now, God, I wanna look to You. I don't wanna go under the battle I want to stand up. And these are the tools that you need to stand. These are the tools that work for Nehemiah. These are the tools that work for me and Anna and our family. And these are the tools that will work 
for you as you trust Him. So Lord, I say, come Holy Spirit. We know the battle belongs to You. When there's stuff in front of us and around us, and God, we feel like giving up, You are there. So Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of Your Holy Spirit, will You start to fill people right now? Fill them with the sense of standability. Fill them with faith. Fill them with peace. Lord, let them know that You are there, that You're restoring what the enemy is trying to devour, that You're restoring life, You're restoring hope, and You're the God that never, ever, ever fails. You're the God who's victorious. You're the God who conquers mountains. You're the God who crosses seas. You're the God who heals the sick. You're the God who's restored the sin of this world. You're the God who's coming back for us. You're the God who's got this world. You're the God who says, never give up. You're the God who says, step forward and follow me. You're the God who says, have faith and I'll bless you. You're the God who says in all things that I have the preeminence. You're the God who says that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God, today, today, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the circumstance, God, we raise You up. We lift You up and we say, God, You're the God of more than enough. And God, as we take these tools, we honour You, we bless You, and we're here to fight, God. We're here to fight for the victory. We're here to move forward and we declare, God, build Your church and let the gates of hell not prevail against it. Amen.